Hello, I'm Tyler Stallman, and today we're looking at the camera gear of 2014. We're talking about what was exciting, which brands are in trouble, and where the industry is going. So today we've got a new special guest, which is Jordan. Yeah. Hey guys, Jordan Drake. Uh, good to be here. Coming from the camera store, which is Calgary's best store for cameras and, uh, <laughs> and also the best named camera store. Exactly. On the Just planet. So that you have to say it twice every time you mention yeah, where you exactly. work. Yeah. The camera store. Yeah. There is no other. Um, which, and which one? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, um, you, uh, also do a lot of your own shows for the camera store TV. Yeah. So that's kind of, um, it's nice cause it's our own show that is kind of sponsored by the camera store. But, uh, yeah, something where we can actually express opinions mm -hmm. and uh, go really test things out in the field as opposed to just, you know, tinkering around with them in the shop. I think that's what people liked about your show is that you can give honest opinions about all the stuff that's coming out and you have access to basically everything. So yeah. you're comparing every single product that's out. It's nice. Like they could have been much more restrictive that way, but it's uh, just over the last few years kind of evolved into something where our opinions are our own and, um, you know, they're not endorsed by the shop or anything like that. Right. It's really freed us up a lot. There's no commission based on the show. You're just exactly <laughs> doing it because you love doing it. Yeah. And, and also not for the manufacturers either. No. Um, that's great. Yeah. I mean, we'll do commercials still, but that's always kept separate. Mm -hmm. um, okay. You know, any of the TV ads or anything like that is if it does wind up on the channel, it'll always be designated ad or commercial or something, but everything else outside of that, it's not like we're paid or anything. And like you may that. have seen Jordan's work with uh, the battle of F stop Ridge, which was the super viral. Yeah. Uh, about everybody. four years ago, I mm. guess that was now. Uh, yeah. And it was just a camera test. We were like, Oh, let's go have fun. And uh, that turned into the thing I'll be known for, <laughs> like, forever. <laughs> yeah. And then recently you guys did a best of 2014 kind of review and we wanted to do something similar like that today. And since you know a lot more about every single camera that exists than we do. <laughs> yeah. And I've had some time to pour over my opinions yeah. uh, since then. So uh, yeah, let's, let's do it again. And the great thing That's, about this format is we can actually get, you know, de a little more detailed. We don't have to keep it punchy and snappy. Yeah. The something. great thing everybody loves about audio is we can just ramble forever and Perfect. don't have to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's even better that way. So in 2014, uh, Cameron and I, we, did you buy a camera this year? Uh, did, well, did any of us? I didn't so know. I, I bought, technically I bought two cameras the last week of December last year. So I learned how to use two new cameras this year. That counts. Okay. What were those? Uh, that was the uh, Nikon DF and also the Fuji X100S. Oh, okay. Right. So I bought both of them at the same time. It's kind of one of those like uh, use it or lose it tax things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like I walk in, I need your two most like <laughs> aluminum shiny-ish looking cameras. That's immediately. right. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Did you buy them on the same day? Like, did you buy two cameras at once? <laughs> sort of. Awesome. So I, I bought the the DF and, um, you know, like I'd been bugging my wife about the the Fuji for a long time and trying to make all these like great excuses of why it was, it was useful. So, you know, cause I mean, you really don't need eight cameras. <laughs> well, I'm actually really curious cause I looked at the X 100 and then the S uh, quite a bit. And how much would you say you use that? Um, I, I probably use it about 15 to 20% of the time okay. that I'm shooting. So I, I, and that's probably like, 
anywhere from three to four days in a month. Okay. And I'm always most curious about it because I have a model slightly older, the EX1, which XC1, is yeah. XC1, sorry, which is kind of unrelated, but uh, well, it's related, but it's a different, um, different lineup, mm-hmm. but I've had so many problems with it that it's a, uh, it's, it's a case of really beautiful images, but a very slow camera. You got to, you got to work with it to get them. It's, yeah. it's like taking a field camera. Out the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a battle. <laughs> it's a pain, but you get nice stuff off of it. Yeah. And I, yeah. I keep hearing that in each generation, Fuji has kind of fixed these things. Mm-hmm. And there's now the, like the, the most recent one is the X100T, which is just the sequel to the S. Yeah. They, correct? it's the smallest upgrade though. 100 to the uh, 100S was a huge jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in terms of like the responsiveness, um, different sensor too. But then the T, they've tweaked the viewfinder a little bit. The control layout's a little bit better, ba- better back screen, but it's a mm-hmm. small adjustment to it. Feels a lot more like a cell phone upgrade. Well, Cameron, know? did you feel desperate for an upgrade? Like, did you no. feel like you've been missing out or? No, not at all. The S is rad. I love it. It's something to, to take around when you don't really want to carry a camera. Yeah. And then you can still like get great, Results. I'm a stock shooter. I need to know that my results are going to be usable. Right. I had hoped for that with the XE1, but it just didn't right. pan out. Yeah. Right. Well, especially for yeah, anything candid lifestyle mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That you know they just historically hadn't been there yet. And I mean, Fuji has really kind of sped them up to make them usable that way with the S mm-hmm. and, you know, and a few other people have too, which I think is the big change this year. Yeah. Well, a lot of the ones that we'll be talking about are, are Sony's. Sony had a great year. Yeah. But, um, the, the big difference being that I think Fuji has first, they nailed the lenses yeah. and Sony almost went the opposite way where their lenses yeah, the are amazing kind of, bodies and they have like three good lenses yeah. right now for them. Whoops. And then Fuji, everything they're putting out is one of my favorite pieces of glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they seem to have kind of that opposite, which makes sense. Sony's a technology company. Fuji's got a background in optics and film. So yeah. they both uh, seem to have kind of excelled in their respective strengths. And they're mm-hmm. both a little bit further behind where you'd almost expect them to be. So in your video, you guys picked a Sony for your camera of the year, which is one that I don't think either of us have tried. And that's the A6000. Yeah. So uh, our reasoning for that, because I think there's better cameras this year. Mm-hmm. And this was also kind of the most important camera. Yeah is, you know, you look at Canon and Nikon, they're the big two companies out there. I believe you're a Nikon guy, Cameron? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the um, the people who get into those, it's always been through, you know, a Canon Rebel or an entry-level Nikon. It's something for you know, doing snapshots, family pictures, or travel photos. Which is what I've always recommended to everybody is, exactly. is a Rebel. Go get whatever the current Rebel is. I don't even need to check what the new one is. Just go buy the Rebel that's out right now because it's yeah. a safe bet. And I've always, I I'd do the same thing up until very recently. That was always the way I would go. Um, because the mirrorless cameras like your XE1, you know, they were too slow to capture that spontaneous moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they did seem very enthusiast oriented as well. So, you know, some of the program modes, things like that didn't work fantastic. They were cameras that were very hands-on. So that could make them kind of tough to, you know, just walk out of this, you know, grab a camera and go take pictures immediately with them. Uh, Where the A6000 is the camera where I can't think of a reason I would recommend, you know, grabbing like an entry-level Nikon or Canon if someone's starting from scratch because it's faster, it focuses better, you know, it's 10 frames a second, which is like, you know, what the professional D4s and, uh, you know, 1Ds were up until recently. 
So the um, big question I always have is, yeah. do you think you could walk into a job with it, even as a backup? Mm-hmm. Like, think of uh, the scenario. The scenario I think of is a wedding as a backup camera, as a second body. Oh, totally. As a backup body. The, I mean, the big issue with it is perception. Because um, my wife is a portrait photographer, and we were looking at a bunch of mirrorless cameras because we wanted to grab one. And we brought the A6000, and we had like a beautiful Profoto B1 set up and big soft boxes and stuff. And then she grabs this, you know, it looks like a point and shoot. And um, what we wound up doing actually was plunking the big Canon glass on it just to make it look more impressive. You could put like a video cage around it. Yeah, exactly. Well, which is what I've been doing with video jobs for years yeah. is you show up with the mat box and the shoulder rig and everything, and then you just take all the pieces off over the course of the shoot. I found that with the mat box that I bought it for this kind of the same reason. And usually end up needing to take it off for one reason or another. It doesn't fit with a certain lens or, but I like to show up with it on so I can say like, yeah, I mean business, this is going to, this is going to be a great video. Don't worry. Your money's uh, going to get places. Exactly. And yeah, I think the A6000 has, and all the mirrorless at this point um, Mm kind of have that same restriction where it's a perception thing. You know, the person with the bigger camera wins has been our perception for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) <laughs> you know, even in commercial land, I'm sure you've seen where yeah. jobs are given to the guy with the Hasselblad, even though it's a magazine spread, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't make much sense, but, uh, that is the perception. You kind of can't blame people though. I mean, what do, what do I not know anything about, uh, cars? If I was to go into yeah. a mechanic and he had a big fancy shop, right. Compared to his own garage, you, yeah, you I'm feel gonna, like you should be paying a little more if exactly. the service looks higher end or yeah. And I do think that's something that, I mean, not to jump ahead too much, but they're going to have to address that. Mm -hmm. So the a 6,000 makes the Sony mirrorless is viable option. And it's, it is a step below still the other really amazing Sonys that have come out though, right? Which yeah, they've is got the, their full the frame line series. Yeah, uh, which are the best image quality, you know, short of maybe a Nikon D810, even that's... So when you're talking to somebody about that would be interested in both, like what would you tell them as well, a difference between, like what do you the think thing, about... The reason with, that the A6000 excited me so much is it's the best focusing mirrorless camera mm-hmm. right now. Um, and I think for most people that's more important than you know, an extra stop, a dynamic range in the shadows or, you know, that extra few megapixels. Yeah, it's something everyone notices all the time. Yeah. And if it doesn't it, focus, you notice. And if you don't know what you're doing, like, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of scoffed at it when it came out, but you throw that thing on face detect and you will like never miss a picture of like your kid. Right. Um, you know, as long as they're looking at you, you push the shutter. It's unless there's, you know, cool. some other weird looking kid sitting right beside, <laughs> behind them or whatever. Um, it'll jump on and it'll hit. So so it has weird kid priority. Yeah, exactly. It's like only focus on kids where. I think most well, parents yeah. would want that. Only focus on my kid because yeah. the other ones like, yeah. just blur them out. Well, the Panasonics do that, uh, which is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> Facial recognition. It's terrifying that it'll oh, organize yeah. your pictures by who's in them. Oh, I've seen that on the, the G16 that, that we've got does that as well. And yeah, even doing just live view when you're looking at the screen, yeah. you, the person's name will just appear beside them before you've taken the photo. <laughs> yeah. It'll start floating like Tyler right beside exactly. the face. It's really neat. What's weird is it confuses my face and my wife's face, <laughs> which is, <laughs> is kind weird. of terrifying. Well, your family. Yeah. So. You married your sister? <laughs> <laughs> I was from a small town. <laughs> Fair enough. So what's the, what's the deal with the A series? I mean, I've... I've fantasized about getting some of the, there's the, the a7s seems like the most interesting one to me, which has a bit of a, 
focus on video crossover production, super low noise. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool what they've done where right in the names they designate who it's for. So, mm. you know, the S is their sensitive camera. So there's nothing better than it in low light, especially, you know, it is optimized for video. Um, and I think this is one of the cool things that happened in 2014 is we always saw SLRs with video functionality mm-hmm. and people would be like, oh, um, kind of trying to kill two birds with one stone. But most people have a priority more one way or the other. Right. So, you know, we've yeah. got cameras like Nikon 750, which is a brilliant still camera and it has pretty good video capability. Or we've got cameras now like the A7S or the GH4, which are amazing video cameras and pretty good still cameras because mm-hmm. most people have a bit of a, um, you know, more demands one way or the other. Right. And I think it's really smart how they've split things up that way. Um, because, you know, there was, we were going to hit a point where the demands for video were going to be, you know, uh, so high, it was going to start boosting the cost on the still cameras, mm-hmm. you know, to add like good mic inputs and the processors needed for that and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, so they're starting to segment that, which I think is a really nice development. Well, it's definitely at the point that a, a so a, a video producer could definitely choose an A7S as their primary. Yeah, like camera. I, I know there's quite a few. What TV about a, guys a stills that. photographer? Would a, would a stills guy ever? I mean, you I guess you wouldn't go for the S because it just wouldn't make sense, probably, or giving well, up too much. It's not you, that much. It's a 12 megapixel chip, so that does like you know for stock or something that's restrictive. Um, but I know a bunch of set photographers who are crazy about it because it's a totally silent camera. Yeah, actually, that sounds pretty cool. Um, that was one of my surprise features that when I got the 5D Mark III, I ended up loving the most that I hadn't thought about ahead of time is being able to shoot on almost silent. It's still a physical shutter, but it yeah. got, it's like half the, the noise level and it's so nice. I love shooting. Yeah, well, silent. and I can see too, for like if you're a street photographer or something mm-hmm. like that, and you've, uh, Cameron, you've probably seen this with your X100S. Because mm-hmm. it's basically silent. Yeah, you can't um, hear anything. It changes the way you shoot. And yeah. I love the people pictures I get more with those kind of cameras. Because right. mm-hmm. uh, generally, if you don't get the shot right the first time, you're not going to get it. Um, as soon as that first shutter goes off, even if people aren't looking for the camera, they're always a little bit more aware, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it does change the way that you can work. Well, what do you think about... Um what was it? Uh, uh, Cameron, lately, we're talking about the D750 as well. Mm-hmm. What do you, uh, as a Nikon shooter, what do you think looking at that? I know like almost nothing about it. Well, on, on <laughs> paper, nice. on paper, I thought it looked amazing. And, you know, like, uh, you know, our friend Rob Sylvan just wrote a book about it and he said it's his favorite Nikon of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his book called? So people can find it. Uh, how to shoot the seven D seven fifty? If you Google Sylvan and seven fifty, you'll yeah, probably find Peach it. Pit. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't know. Sorry, Rob. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was really curious because you know I have my commercial camera is the D eight hundred, and um, you know I'm at the, I'm this point where thirty six megapixels is is kind of ridiculous. I'm not really needing that much. And so uh, I was actually looking about doing a, a, a downgrade upgrade. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the thing was, is I went and I felt it and I was playing around with it at the camera store. And, and I just, you know, I just, I was like, no, I don't like it. Really? Yeah. I'm sure it, I'm sure it's amazing, but like, there's just something about it that felt less than. Mm-hmm. And also there was, there's one key function that, that I use on the D800 that it didn't have. That was a game break game. Yeah. Whatever. Deal breaker, yeah, deal breaker. Thank you. Um, and that was that it 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 didn't do the uh, five by four ratio crop, right? 
And I use that all the time for headshots. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not unhappy with it. So I, I just didn't think that it was worth losing money to, to get the 750. Right. In that regard. Like if I didn't have it, then I would totally get the 750 over the A10. Well, what's funny about the 750 is a lot of it seems like they've taken off stuff um, arbitrarily just to separate it from the D810. Uh, like mm-hmm. that 4 by 5 crop could absolutely be something they throw in in firmware. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it would be dead simple for them to do. And it, it does feel a little bit that way. Um, but uh, it's funny you mentioned you didn't like it on trying because I was kind of underwhelmed by the initial specs and things like that. Uh, and I love the way the camera, like it's lighter, but it's got a deep grip. And I actually had more fun shooting that than I have with an icon in quite some time. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that part of it. Like the way that it feels in the hand is is pretty great. You know, like I generally always feel that way about Nikon's bodies, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of my uh, my lovely DF, which doesn't feel all that great in the hand. But um, we can talk more about that later. Um yeah, I, I felt like it felt good. It was also really small, which is cool, but like it, it had a rectangular viewfinder instead of the big circle. Yeah. Yeah, it was just little things that I just kind of felt annoyed by, and it's kind of silly, but, you know, we we use these things like extensions of our hands, right? Yeah. So you you have to feel like it really makes sense for you. But would you point someone else towards it? Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you were, if you were looking to buy like a professional grade DSLR and you had a Nikon glass already, you know, the 750 is totally what I would say to get. Cause the A10 is a better camera. Uh, but you know, I mean, if you don't need that extra resolution, then don't buy it. Yeah. One other thing too, with the 750, I would love to see is that's the first full frame from any of the big guys with a tilt screen. And that uh, I love for doing like architectural work or um, Mm -hmm. product shot, stuff like that. I think you meant to say selfies. Yes. (laughs) I got to find an extra mirror. It doesn't go quite far enough for my selfie needs, but. Yeah. You know, I almost, that was actually another reason why I actually considered it where in the beginning it was like, oh, that's, that's dumb. Why would they put that on there? Um, cause it felt like such a consumer grade option. Um, and then we went and I was looking at it and, and I was like, oh, you know, I could do like food overheads with this thing mm-hmm. and actually compose it, you know, without having to hold the camera. Cause you know, I'm thinking about doing it on an, an extension pole Yeah, and I'd actually be able to compose. Yeah. And shooting overhead too. I know uh, quite a few photojournalists with them who are just using them for press scrums. It's great for that. Yeah, uh, throw it up in the air, and I mean, obviously for video, it's wonderful too, and that mm-hmm. just shows kind of that convergence. A v- bit more. Video is the main reason I'd like to see it. Personally, I actually don't really love the flip screens, especially in my like workhorse mm-hmm. camera. I'm glad mm-hmm. the 5D3 doesn't have it because it's um basically it's a thing to break. Yeah, in a yeah. camera that I'm bringing around everywhere and may not always I can't handle really delicately. It's yeah. Well, uh, kind of bringing it back to the fact that I am in a shop, it's interesting because I do get a perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Um, they almost never break. It's really odd, actually, you'd think with the amount of like cheap point and shoots that have it and stuff. <laughs> right. But it's almost never the That's flip screen. The it seems like everybody's so worried because that looks so fragile right. that they tend to make them pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that scares me with the 750 is I know it's got one of those little ribbon HDMI cables that you use for drones and things, uh, and you can see it and it's exposed. So that one does scare me a little Yikes. bit. Um, but the good news is they're easy to replace. So if it does go, it's probably going to be like a $10 fix for it. I'm just looking at our list or kind of rundown here of stuff we wanted to talk about and noticing that the the 
the points that we have for the, for Nikon and Canon are actually mostly older cameras <laughs> or not the, definitely not the most exciting things this year. Yeah. So the, the Canon that I have written down is the 70 Mark II. Right. Which is, I think, very exciting. It looks really nice. The 70 Mark I, I used a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my secondary body for a long time. And uh, that was at the time of the 5D Mark II. And at that point, it was a perfect complement to it. 70 Mark II was kind of slow autofocus. Or sorry, 5D Mark II was. And 70 was much, much more focused on um, quick focusing. And, um, so now there's a new round. It is faster mm-hmm. kind of in all the ways. Yeah. Um, weather sealed, but what really threw me off was the no Wi-Fi. Yeah. I've uh, been uh, looking for something specifically a, a new body that would let us do uh, kind of instant Instagrams from our full frame camera that we could post immediately as we're shooting. And that's not, going to be the solution, which I had hoped that the new 70 would do. Yeah. The 70 is interesting because I went and took it. Um, I got a pre-production one. I was uh, like, I'm going to go take it out. I had, I was doing um, a filmmaking thing out in Banff. So I took it for a week and, and I loved shooting with it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it feels just like the cannons always have feels great. The focus is unbelievable on it. Um, yeah. The shutter is the nicest sounding shutter I've heard. It's, it's the same autofocus as the or similar to the 5D Mark III at this point, right? It's, it's better, like, actually. Whew. Yeah, they've added more it's cross. Great. I don't know. It's, it's Which is amazing. But that, it seems, yeah. I love that Canon's done that, that basically all of their upper end stuff, mm-hmm. they're just giving it the best autofocus. They're yeah. not crippling them all, which at the, at, earlier the 5D Mark II had terrible autofocus while the one series had amazing autofocus. Yeah. But now they're just spreading it out and like, look, we've, Apparently they can make it at a reasonable cost, so they're just putting it into everything, which yeah. is great. Oh, I, th- I love that they're doing that. Yeah. The thing that threw me when I um, was done shooting that week is we got, uh, at first I was just shooting JPEGs. There was no raw processing software for it. And then I got a disc uh, halfway th- towards the tail end of the week and put the files through and the JPEGs looked awesome from mm-hmm. it. So I was really curious how they were going to be. And uh, they were basically the same thing. Um, the files, the raw files from that, it really felt exactly like the original 7D. Mm. So it's funny. Um it just doesn't feel like a lot of progress made on the image quality front where right. everything else is besides the lack of Wi-Fi, is fairly cutting edge. The video is pretty spongy too. Mm-hmm. It feels a lot like the older stuff as well. You know what else though? It's also not a cheap camera. No. So when you compare it to, cause what I'm comparing it to is that we're considering a 6D right now. Mm-hmm. 6D would give us full frame and it give us Wi-Fi, and not great autofocus. But it's much less expensive. You know, I feel like the 60 and the 70 Mark II should, seems like they should kind of be the same price and you're taking some trade-offs, but yeah. spending more on the 70 and losing those things, I don't yeah. know. Uh, and especially, yeah. yeah, looking at the files. Yeah. So looking at what Canon and Nikon have done in the in the last year then, I'm going to save this for the predictions because okay. I'm wondering if they're getting too boring. I right. think a lot of people are. Well, it, it's funny because every one of their cameras is a a few features from a different camera that they kind of switch around. So the 750 is like, you get sort of a 610 body with that sensor, but then you get the autofocus from the 810 with the view, you know, they just take their jumble of components. They've (laughs) already built and they just kind of whip them around into different bodies. Uh, and yeah, we just haven't seen anything really compelling from since Nikon did the D 800 or Canon did the five. Well, and obviously both of them being a bit behind on the old mirrorless, uh, bandwagon and uh yeah yeah um we'll get into that later though so 
What else do we have this year? Uh, this year, an, a Canon that I still am liking, which I believe this is from 2013, is the G16. Mm-hmm. That's, it was already a year old now, right? Yeah, uh, that's a little a year and a half. Yeah, because I think actually we got it last Christmas. Mm-hmm. So now it's Christmas again and has been replaced. But it's actually been great. I've been really happy with the G series. I had a G7 at 1.2 and I know people mm. with like G12s and Honestly, you don't need to replace them very fast. Those cameras, they're built to last and the specs make sense. And it's a really great point and shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I have a, I have a friend that shoots with the G's and he upgrade, he upgrades it like every two or three numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and this guy shoots more than anybody I know. They also have the G7X Yes, is the recent one. You were kind of down on that, right, Jordan? And I, from what I've seen, I'm down on it too. But yeah, it's it, the thing with uh, both that and Canon brought out a G1X Mark II um, this year, um, which is kind of their big brother to that G16 oh, okay. camera. Okay, see, I was imagining the G1X and the G7X were related. They're not. They're sort of. They're I not mean, in the same series. Everything has an X though. in it okay. this year, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we went and field tested both of those guys. And the trouble is, I mean, I keep bringing it back to Sony, but they brought out those RX100 cameras. Mm-hmm. And this year, the Mark III, which has a built-in viewfinder, mm-hmm. um, an insanely good lens. It's a 24 to 70, but it's an F1.8 to 2.8. Um, okay, so let's just skip over the boring Canon ones then. Yeah. What's the, the RX100 yeah. <laughs> is looks so great. I, I it love it. Beautiful. It's the best pocket cam ever yeah. made, um, especially just getting a viewfinder. And not like, you know, they used to throw those little uh, viewfinders on the old, or even the G16 still has one, I think, mm-hmm. an optical ring. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, Which but they I, were, <laughs> I love the idea of it, but I don't Exactly, but they were always unusable. Yeah. Um, and this has the same viewfinder as like our that A6000 that we gave the camera. electronic the viewfinder. Yeah, it just yeah. pops out of the body and it looks great. Yeah. Um, and you can use it for shooting video as well. Um, and yeah, it just seems, uh, I mean, we kind of termed the phrase canonitis this year, which is where everything feels like it would have been really compelling two years ago. Right. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I definitely Aww. got that vibe from the uh, G7X and uh, especially the G1X, which is mm. a fairly big camera. Um, Between all the point and shoots, which the ones that I looked at were the the RX100 and the G16. What mm. else is there? Like if you're going to point somebody to a, a high, a premium point and shoot right now, is that the only, does it have to be the RX100? Like that's just the clear choice. That, or? That's kind of the the way that I would definitely yeah. lean. There's Fuji makes an X30. That's a pretty good camera, but it's still big. And uh, I mean, Sony's just kind of run away with that side mm-hmm. of the market right now, which is funny mm-hmm. because Canon's G series, if someone came in and said, I need a small camera, but I actually know what I'm doing for 10, 10 years, probably that yeah. was the only option mm-hmm. was like, here's a G with a number after it yeah. and people would be happy. Um, but now with the, uh, the Sony's out there, I feel like we're in the exact same boat where it's smaller than the, uh, Canon's, uh, with the exception of the G seven X and the pictures it takes, like they're 20 megapixel files, but they don't look like point and shoot files. Right. Uh, there's yeah. big depth of field, but they're crazy sharp. So, and I think I went with the G 16 out of comfort because yep. I'm familiar with the series and I use Canon and I don't want to get used to another brand's system, but I probably, if I was just looking for quality, um, the Sony would have. Maybe made more sense. Well, and I, I don't like Sony's menus. Yeah, no. that oh, they used to be really bad for it too. They'd name simple functions, different things like <laughs> yeah. aperture was called lens wideness or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like <laughs> oh my were, God. They've gotten a little less cryptic than that, but yeah. it's, it's still fun. You wade through like a good, like it's a point and shoot and there's yeah. like 20 pages of menus and stuff like that. Sony, it's actually been a terrible year for Sony as a business. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're bleeding money. Yeah. Things are not going well for them. They've just been, 
gone through the largest corporate hack in history. <laughs> PSN network was brought down, but their cameras are awesome. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think it's, they, they do feel like a company too. that's desperate right now. Like, yeah, but, um, but they've, it, oh, go ahead. Isn't it just technically they're brilliant? Because I mean, that's always been my issue with Sony products is that using them sucks. Mm. And, you know, the, from what I've, you know, I haven't had a lot of hands-on experience, but from what I have had, I've, I, I've not been impressed with even, you know, like the A7s. Mm-hmm. Like just I just the feeling don't, of it. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't like the feeling and the, and the, like the ergonomics and in the, in the, in the, the menus and the controls. I just, I've, it doesn't feel right. To I've me. heard that from some other stock photographers as well. Even just looking at, um. Like the, the, the color palette you get out of the gate, yeah. just not feeling great. Like no, it's, they, they don't again, it's shoot. one of those on paper, perfect. And then in reality, people I lose don't, some of its luster. It's the opposite of the Canons. I mm. don't like the Sony JPEGs that yeah. much. You shoot it and it looks a little flat and then you play with it and you're like, oh my God, these files are amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I <laughs> went out with a, a travel photographer, Kyle Marquardt. Um, mm-hmm. um, who is, you know, a dedicated 5D, 3D, 7D kind of guy. Gave him the A7, and yeah, he played with it for about a couple minutes and was, yeah, you know, like pretty ambivalent towards it. He's yeah. like, okay, we'll try it. And then that night, I just kept getting like at three in the morning text messages from him, like, oh my God, these are the most incredible <laughs> files I've yeah. ever seen. I'll never have to shoot HDR again. Well, that's what I always felt like <laughs> Canon demoed really well for is in the store, if you just take uh, point and shoots are the easiest example, pick up all the point and shoots and just take some snapshots in the store. Yeah. And the Canons, like the skin will just look right. The, the, t- like they, I don't know. They have a good, good taste in tones. Totally. Their color science is, and you can see it on their, not to go back to video land again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but their cine series cameras, the image just looks beautiful off of them right. um, without a whole lot of training. And that's always been one of their strengths. Well, and in your 2014 review though, you had Sony's all over the place at the top. I mean, so yep. actually look at this. We've got the top point and shoot right now. We're talking about a Sony. Yep. The top mirrorless, we're talking about a Sony. Yeah. The best video camera that you chose, a dedicated video camera, was yeah. the F- FS7. Uh, or no, with the A7S, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, okay. Which is a Sony. Well, no, but you also said the FS7. The FS7, which was our number three, which is also a Sony. Yeah, so um, got a lot of well, that's here. the thing. Yeah, I mean, I can talk about how the files straight off of them. The JPEGs aren't great. And the handling is honestly, this is the year where I feel like they really figured that out. Um, mm. If you've tried an A7 before, try the A7 Mark II. It's got a big chunky grip. It feels awesome. It's like an oh, cool. old uh, film body. Um, but yeah, they ju- everything that they're bringing out is, because that list is also a lot of what's exciting right now. Mm-hmm. And in terms of who's making me want to go out and shoot stuff right now, it tends to be the Sony cameras because I can do stuff I couldn't do before. You know, right. uh, Like that A7S, I can go shoot you know, with no, like in moonlight, shoot video at 50,000 ISO, knock off some stills mm-hmm. at the same thing. And it's clean. It changes the way you work. Right. Uh, that FS7, mm. I can shoot 180 frame per second slow motion with the camera on my shoulder all day. I'd it's, love to have some S-log in my video workflow. And yeah, well. it, that kind of stuff. It's yeah. actually changing. Like I see those and I say, oh, here's six product projects I couldn't do before Yeah, that now I'm excited like i'm going to go out and shoot some slow motion tobogganing lit with spotlights here in a few days and uh, i wouldn't have done it if so i'm going to make this all about me for just a moment if you were to well (laughs) you probably will be the one to sell me whatever i buy so yeah between say if i'm looking for something that's going to do it's going to be like a backup body it'll do a bit of video and needs to have Mm wi-fi um between the canon 60 and the sony a series 
And considering I already have all Canon glass. Yeah. I, I would still go with the 6D, I think. Yeah. I, I really like um, the autofocus on the 7 is great. But the it depends on your technique because the 6D, you use that center autofocus point. It's yeah. great. Yeah. It's a really good center autofocus point if your subject moves out of it. You're screwed. Well, I was just thinking about the video. <laughs> like, is the video in coming out of the Sony going to be such a big jump that it'll change my yeah. change my video world? It, it really will. I feel because yeah. um, before, if I wanted to shoot something log, uh, which I did do, I would drag around. Right. A big and, well, for camera. for Cameron, so S log is shooting flat. Yeah, it, it's like okay. the it's the raw for video, but it doesn't yeah. take up that much room. It just gives you access to play with things more. Okay. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, now Sony's put that on their A7S, their A7 Mark II. And you could go shoot high contrast scenes and play with it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Or there's software out there. I've been using this um, new one called Speedlook. Um, just apply mm-hmm. it to the log file. Then I can choose um, the motion picture film I like. Like I love Kodak 5203. Drop it on and I've got that look immediately. Um, and you won't find that from any of the other cameras because they throw away so much information. You can't simulate film effectively. Uh, and yeah, I could, I could geek out in that direction <laughs> for quite some time. I'm just like taking notes here and thinking there's going to be a lot of show notes for this. We're really <laughs> mentioning every camera that exists. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wanted to, to kind of dig into something real quick. Cause there was, there was a comment Jordan that you made earlier that I was curious about because as a photo editor, I see, I see, you know, like high quality images from basically every camera that's on the market currently. And, uh, you know, earlier you said that the, um, the A7s were one of them had like the, the best image quality mm-hmm. out of everything else you see. And so like, I'm just kind of curious what, what that means to you. Well, we have to put that in context. I, those were um, from a Canon shooter. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you are blessed with a D800 body right now, mm-hmm. uh, which is that Sony sensor. Um, and yeah. that was kind of the first look at what these next generation of sensors were going to look like. So, um, I mean, the image from the D810, it's the same chip basically as that, as a Sony A7R, uh, which I would say are the two best 35 millimeter format just for pure image quality. Um, okay. You know, if you're looking at something like an A7S, it's hands down the best low light camera ever made. Um, with the exception of maybe the Pentax 645Z medium format. Well, yeah, so that's where I was about to go next. Cause all of a sudden, if we're going to talk about like true, what is the best image quality? This was an interesting year for it. Not just because, so the Pentax is what you're really excited about. And I'll, Anybody that doesn't have an infinite bank account is, but there's been the, the whole medium format world was pretty cool this year. Like if you're watching Hasselblad as well and um, what, what phase one are doing and, mm-hmm. um, and Pentax, everybody now is using the same CMOS sensor that is amazing. Yeah. Apparently it's, it's probably, yeah, the best sensor ever mm-hmm. made, um, you know, jumping up above that 30. Well, this is actually a good thing for Cameron is, um, Cause you're probably seeing some stuff come from, you know, Hasselblads and phases and things like mm-hmm. that um, over the last no, few years, a little bit, not as much. Um, and what I'd see generally looking at those is, you know, they've always captured beautiful images. If you're shooting at a hundred ISO lockdown on a rock solid tripod um, <laughs> with strobes. Um, but you know, they'd throw more pixels at it, but the look of the images hasn't changed in mm-hmm. six years. Probably was the last time we saw a jump. This year, all the big three had a big jump in medium format quality. And again, it comes back to that Sony sensor. Um, but it's in all regards, like um, 
using that 645Z, it's a medium format camera. Like it'll be useless in low light. And Mm -hmm. we were printing files at 50,000 ISO off of it and they're gorgeous. Um, (laughs) So I think this might actually like the price is still an issue. But I've been waiting. What's the price so point on that again, right? It's it's like nine grand, I right. believe, right now. Well, which is still compared to the Hasselblads are still they did not go down at all. Yeah, if you want you're the same chip pay. in a Hassi, you're still looking at forty grand or something. Um, but I've always been waiting for the medium format to get back to where it was in the film days. Mm-hmm. You know, it was you would shoot with thirty five camera, and if you were really into it, uh, and you shot with you know, a landscape or portrait or something like that. A lot of enthusiasts or, you know, standard professionals would be shooting medium format systems. Yeah. I was just thinking about that the other day that I, I, cause we're, we're about to go on a road trip. And so I'm going to be bringing a bunch of 35, but I'm also thinking the bet, if I'm going to take anything really great, I don't want it to be on 35. And if I was only shooting film, I would definitely be shooting a lot more 120 because mm-hmm. it just, 35 does not, is not very sharp as we've discussed. And, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that point that it's hard for regular professionals to most don't have a medium format right now. And back in the day, you just, of course you would have had both because you could afford to, Yeah, you know, and it's really weird how that's affected the price of all the support for it as well. Mm. Cause you used to be able to grab Pentec six, four five glass for even when they were still in production, they were pretty reasonable lenses, you know, yeah. like a thousand bucks a piece of glass or something. And they've kind of slipped into the same mindset as Phase and Hasselblad, where, well, it's a medium format lens, so it should cost you four to $6,000. Right. And I think that's something in the next couple of years we're going to see start to dissolve, I'm mm-hmm. hoping, because I, w- I love the aesthetic of medium format. Yeah, me um, mm-hmm. It has a fall off to it that's, you know, it's not even a depth of field to focal length thing. It's just there is a way that the image falls off that's very different. And I find it really beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. is why I so much loved shooting with that 645Z. Um, the last time I took a camera out and I felt like something had that unique characteristic was actually the uh, Leica M- Monochrome, uh, mm. their black and white camera, which looked a lot like black and white film. And I th- I really like the idea that those might become less specialized and regular people have access right. to those aesthetics again. It's funny, actually, even now, if you were to go get a reasonably priced medium format film camera, you should probably be looking at a Pentax. Yeah. I don't remember what they're called. Six, four, five. N? Um, yeah. The right? N. Um, That's like the if you can find a one. six, seven, two, like yeah. there. Oh yeah. Those I mean, nice. it's yeah. It'll terrify everybody around you for a few blocks when you trip that shutter, but, uh, but you can use it as a weapon. So yeah. that's one thing, but and yeah, then, great like, images, the, great lenses. Yeah. If you want a medium format body right now, check eBay for the, the N because it's cheap. It's yeah. very cheap. And it, from everybody that talks about it, it's really nice. And yeah. And the only drawback to it is now with the Z out there, the price on that glass is jumping again, mm-hmm. which uh, hopefully we'll see swing back the other yeah, way. Interesting. Actually, well, while we're on a film tangent for a sec, did anything exciting happen in the film world? We got a new film stock from uh, Cine Style. Yeah. You got some of that, right, Cameron? Yeah. Did you shoot it yet? Yeah, I shot one. I shot one roll and uh, you know, I got the other one still sitting in the freezer. <laughs> what do you think of it? I don't think you showed me. Um, well, you know, I think that unfortunately I, the timing, which is always a problem with film, you know, you put it in your camera and Mm. then, you know, you're stuck with that film through whatever, you know, (laughs) you're going to be encountering for the next week or month, you know? So, and that, that was kind of what happened with, with my initial go. So I've been really waiting to find an opportunity to throw it in the F5 and see if I can, 
you know, get a little bit more of a desired result from it. Um, overall, I was kind of not all that impressed. Mm. Um, well, so that's I, not, let's not dwell on it too much if you weren't that impressed. Yeah. Yeah. No, like no, what, I, what did you like this year then? Uh, in terms of film? Yeah. Because so nothing, not much new is happening, but film is coming. There is a resurgence happening and a lot yep. of people are buying used cameras. We both bought some used cameras this year. Yeah. You bought the F5. Yeah. Well, I, bought, I got three this year. So I got <laughs> so no new digitals, but three new film cameras. <laughs> well, three old film cameras. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I got the, um, the Sheikamat mat one twenty four G, which I think is just so That's damn really cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I got the Olympus XA, which I also think is ridiculously cool. And I got the F five, which is a great camera that weighs a ton. Yeah. But it's a workhorse. You know? It's a workhorse. It'll work for any situation. Yes. And, you know, uh, really, it's it's coming down to, like, figuring out, you know, what is it that I'm shooting with these cameras that, you know, makes sense for me to, to put film in this. Mm -hmm. well, um, I've come up with a specific strategy of how to use the which cameras that I have. And that's that now I'm putting the just Kodak, Kodak Ultramax or Kodak Gold into the point and shoots. Yes. And then the Portra or I have a few rolls of 400 H I haven't used yet. And I'm putting those into the SLR. Yeah. So when I want the quality, like if it's expensive film, I'm going to put it in the nicer camera. And if it's cheap film, then I'm run it through the cheap camera. Yeah. One yeah, other thing. Sorry, go ahead. Cam. I was going to say we're like completely in, I mean, we talk about this a lot, but we're, we're doing the same exact thing. Yeah. We've also bought like sort of some same cameras this year too. Cause yeah. I bought the Olympus XA and actually had no luck with it. It, uh, the shutter broke which is a common yeah. complaint with it. It was basically made as a consumer camera and is now quite old and it's pretty easy for those things to fall apart. So I replaced it with a Contax T2i, which has been amazing and I'm so happy with it. Yeah. That viewfinder is beautiful. Yeah. That thing. Everything about it. It's great. And then, uh, I also got a, a, I haven't developed it yet, but just sitting over there is a Canon, uh, AE1. Okay. Which I, I got I was, for five bucks. I was never an AE1 guy. I don't know. I've, I've always, used, I've, yeah, I've always before. been kind of more of a, if you're in that um, format, more a Nikon Pentax. Mm. And, and I can't put my finger on exactly what it is about the AE1. I had one, I had an FTB. Yeah. I wasn't crazy about either of them. It was really once the EOS came out that I jumped on the Canon bandwagon. Right, more. right. It was the Olympus OMD one that, uh, or OM1. OM1, sorry, yeah. Before it was D, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was, that's what I've been shooting film. And then my regular cameras, the Elan seven N, which I actually got new when it came out and is, uh, I'm still fantastic. And you get it for like $70 on eBay. Yeah. We've um, got an EOS three that's still chugging, yeah. uh, that we got new as well. Just throw some new glass on it. One other thing that's really cool about uh, 2014 is, um, I don't know if you guys have discussed what happened with Fuji with their Instax line. You talk about it. Um, Basically, they opened up a new factory to produce instant oh, film yeah, because yeah. the demand skyrocketed so much in cool. the last year. And I'm sure a huge amount of that is attributed to Instagram, which was one of the big things of 2014. Right. Well, oh, and Instax, just before you go past that, yeah. the new Instax cameras are so great. Yeah. Like we have one. And the compared to what Polaroid was doing towards the end, or even compared to what the Impossible Project is like, that film is beautiful, mm -hmm. like accurate, but still feels a little vintagey. It's, mm -hmm. it's just great in every way. I love Instax film well, and the cameras are all great. Well, and this kind of goes back to their digitals too, is I think Fuji understands color. You know, we talked mm -hmm. about Canon's yeah. knowledge of that. 
Fuji I'd put even head and shoulders because my favorite images right out of camera are from Fuji's right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And the Instax, they got their priorities exactly right, which is that the skin tones are always yeah. great on them. You know, mm-hmm. it do, the rest of it, you know, it can be a little bit artificial and stuff because it's instant film. But uh, the skin tones, I always find beautiful on those. Agreed. I just got one like for my son's birthday party like two weeks ago. This is one more film camera you bought this year. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh my four. God. It's four. <laughs> we'll be up to eight by the end of the episode after we do all the recollection. So um, so yeah, we, uh, we did these fun like photo booth, you know, photos with them. And, and yeah, the, I was, you know, when they turned out, I was just like, Oh God, these are great. Like, I'm so happy I bought this. And I had no idea, you know, cause I was expecting them to be crappy. Okay. So probably my favorite camera that I bought in 2014, honestly, was my iPhone. Right. Uh, so I got an iPhone six and, you know, I hate to only talk about mobile photography in terms of iPhones, but that's, that's kind of what I'm an iPhone, Cameron, you an iPhone guy. I'm an iphone guy yeah so we have really no outside perspective to draw from. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of iphone people around i don't know what was exciting in the android world it's getting to the android os to me is getting really exciting like yeah. if you've looked at just the design improvements the new material design language they're using it's really gorgeous and i think it won't stay this way i think there will be a bit more fragmentation but at this point from everything i've seen the iphone still just kind of has the best all-round camera yeah there's that Lumix, but yeah, well, I, yeah, with who's going to use Windows Phone just to <laughs> have? Uh, but I think the phone is something where the specs really matter less than any other thing. As to again, going back to the color, how it processes the image, yeah, and that's and what they look Apple really, has, yeah, they've just locked that down. Like yeah. I consistently take pictures on my phone, and I'm just like, I don't have to play with this at all. It's already where it should be. And Apple hasn't really gone anywhere lately with sharpness. So at uh, you know 100 percent on a exterior image, you know, perfect light image. Yeah. It's, um, it still only really looks good at the smaller resolutions. Unfortunately, that's the only downside is still not amazing for printing. Right. But I mean, we have an interesting perspective, Cameron with Stocksy because we have a lot of mobile only shooters. Like a lot of Mm -hmm. people that had come on board to to sell their stock photos were Instagram photographers first. Mm -hmm. It's like a pool that we were drawing from. So they're only working with iPhones sometimes. Yeah. Um, and what have you thought about what you've seen come in? Have, did you see a shift when it, when people started switching from the five to the six? Uh, you're talking to me. Um, yeah. No, not yet. No. Um, we've only got a couple people that, that, uh, that I know are using the six mm-hmm. and it's really, really hard to tell because most people, you know, apply Visco and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly, I haven't seen a huge difference. And part of the, the problem with that is that, that these photographers are amazing. Right. You know so, what I'd say the difference is to me is it's not that, um, it's that your worst photos are going to now look better. That was the yeah. biggest improvement <laughs> that the six brought right. and especially right. the six plus cause it had image stabilization. stabilization on it, yeah. So once you're indoors, um, that got a lot better, uh, Wait a the minute. focus in lower light. Did you say the six plus has image stabilization? It does. Yeah, yeah. it does. Lean into your microphone, by the way. What? You're <laughs> quiet. <laughs> uh, yeah, the six plus has uh, optical image stabilization, in it, but only the plus. Unfortunately, I yeah. almost bought the plus just for that, yeah. and then decided I was going to drop it if I tried doing that. So instead, I'm just using the six, but its quality is. Yeah, really well, great. And the nice thing is the, the three of us are a group of people who understand the limitations of the iPhones. Mm-hmm. So we know how to work with them properly. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, something like the stabilizer on that six means that, yeah, there's going to be a lot more good pictures taken by people who don't know what they're doing because yeah. every one of those tools is designed to make it easier. It also got more interesting for video this year because of that, the stabilization on board, the six plus, but then the, if you guys have used, have you, the have slow you tried motion? It? Well, not only the slow motion, but the, um, the, the software stabilization mm-hmm. is excellent on the on the six there's yeah. nothing optical but it's just doing its own algorithmic yeah it's, thing. it's the same and, as like a warp stabilizer or something and, and it, it looks, looks so good yeah it looks great and it's doing it without any like you don't see the crop happen afterwards you don't it's just completely um you're unaware it's, that it's, it's happening transparent it's, in the background it, and it's, it's pretty cool um yeah and the slow motion is uh it was nice because there was a couple years there where i was using uh a Sony 700 and I could do super slow motion and no one else was doing it um, unless they had a red or something like that. And now, and it was a great now, time. And, and now everybody's it. like, you know, throwing a bucket of water at a person in slow motion. And I no longer have that trick exclusively to <laughs> yeah. myself. It's a bit of, but a it's shame. still not on my 5d Mark three. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then what else? The big, the other biggest thing for us, well, maybe I'll leave that as a reveal. Another interesting thing that none of us really interacted with was the new Leica stuff. I really liked where Leica has been going lately. Um, the new, their new, just M. Yeah. The was really 240 nice. M is a great camera. Yeah. It looked like, it looked like they finally kind of cleaned up the, like settled on a more classic feature set. That's going to I don't know, maybe like age they slower kind of, or something. Well, they were, no, they really nailed it. Cause it does still have that retro aesthetic, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel outdated immediately the way that the right. uh, M8 and the M9s did. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's the same thing as their, like a T they've really found a, yeah. An aesthetic, a style that seems really timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're starting to add more and more new tech. I don't feel quite as strongly about the T um, just because the core function of it the autofocus is still slow yeah i spent about a couple hours being really excited about the t and talking myself into dropping way too much money on it and then i realized that it's not going to age well yeah it's uh i don't like the idea of it being a primarily a touchscreen for a three thousand dollar camera it's got its own lens line yeah i don't know and when you adapt other lenses to it the interface isn't great. yeah if you can afford to not care then you'll have fun with it but yeah yeah. (laughs) and then there was the the screenless, uh, like M edition 60. Is that the right name for it? Yeah. Cause it's 60th anniversary. So yeah. I don't know the Leica without a screen. Yeah. I don't know what you're and it's about. the, what almost $20,000. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was a really cool idea. That's cr- It's crossed my mind before that. Hey, it'd be really fun to actually not be chimping yeah. the back of my Cr- screen all the time. Well, Chris but. and I have kind of thrown out there that if somebody made a camera without a screen, where you actually had to wind it to take the next picture, yeah, yeah. it would do. It would sell like crazy just for that nostalgia. And <laughs> I don't know if Leica is the right company to do this because they're small enough that you know they're limited run cameras. They're going to be mm-hmm. twenty grand for that. If I had to put money on it, I would say Fuji in the next yeah, little while will make the black and white camera like or the Leica Monochrome or. Maybe Rico. I, they, I mean, they seem to experiment enough. They throw a bunch of. Weird but wait, stuff. what I used to think. Yeah. So this is an out of date statement, but I used to think it'd be really cool before VSCO got big that if um, Hipstamatic made a point and shoot camera that had all of the philosophy of Hipstamatic. Mm. So like it was closed, you couldn't see the photos as you took them. Yeah. And it like just had a pre-built-in filter. But now I'd like to see VSCO do this. Yeah. So if there's like a Visco camera that just bakes in a nice filter, but it's not overdone. 
and uh, it was just a really simple camera. I have always, I mean, nobody else, that's completely pointless, but like a, like a disposable digital camera that has really beautiful skin tones and things. Well, like that. and I think that's the way point and shoots are going to have to go because mm-hmm. our phones have kind of made them redundant. Yeah. So it seems like you'll always almost have to put in a set of limitations to those cameras to make them start right. being applicable again. Well, to me, it'd just be maybe a bigger yeah. lens and sensor. Yeah, totally. Uh, that would be fun. Uh, okay. But that's a fantasy world. So what actually <laughs> what's at the very top of well, all of our lists, I think as far as exciting things that happened was the third party lenses 2014. Yeah. So this, uh, this has been well, the last two years have been Sigma's years. Really? There was the 35 last year and yeah, now we have started the 50 with millimeter. The, yeah. It started with the 35 and the 18 to 35. It's funny. People seem to have almost mm-hmm. forgotten about that, but it's one of the best lenses ever made. Yeah. And we, it's funny. It's, it's a real show of all they did is change management at Sigma. This new guy, right, the, the yeah. uh, old manager's son came in and said, we're not going to be a budget lens line. Um, you know, they're like, we make a ton of money on lenses. You know, what's crazy though, is they are still priced almost like a budget line. The prices didn't go way up as the quality. Yeah. Well, and that's, what's genius about it is it's a well-known thing that everybody makes a ton of money on glass, right? They say a Canon will sell a camera for next to nothing because their lenses, they make a ton on. So these guys were like, well, we can still make a decent amount on money, but let's make like insanely good lenses at the price that enthusiasts can afford. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly working and yeah. it's rejuvenated that entire industry. Yeah. You know, it's not just Sigma. Now Tamron's coming out with some of the nicest lenses, especially. And I haven't zooms. been watching that as much, but you, you, you told me about it. And it sounds cool. Well, Tamron, uh, go ahead, sorry, Cameron. I just never imagined we'd be having this conversation. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I still have some older junky camera Tamron's just sitting in a bag somewhere and they are, unusable. Yeah. They're, they were awful. So they had a a couple good ones, but that was the thing. It was the exception rather than the norm. And it was kind of mixed results for the Sigmas. Some people, some professionals were working with the Sigma primes, like the the older 50 millimeter and the older 85 millimeter, but they were always like, uh, and now it's just clear. Yeah. Well, and especially they had a ton of issues with quality control. Like Mm. if you got a good Sigma, you got an awesome Sigma, but you were one of the five, you you know, one of five people. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, that's inspired Ein Tamron with their, uh, they've got the only 2470 that has a stabilizer in it right now. Uh, the 2.8 constant. It's yeah. a killer lens, seems- especially I, that thing lives on my cinema cameras. Would you, yeah. choose, I mean, we actually talk about getting the Canon 24 to 70 a lot. Would you, would you, which one would you go for? I, I made a wonderful 11 minute video about that. Oh, I'm going to watch yeah. it. Oh, um, nice. Everybody go but, to uh, yeah, youtube.com slash the cameras. Wait, what's the URL? YouTube.com slash the camera store TV. Um, but uh, yeah, the Canon, the Canon is a little sharper at the edges wide open. Um, you know, if you're shooting right at two eight. Focus speeds? Focus speed Canon a hair faster, mm-hmm. maybe. But uh, and the Tamron is, and once you hit F3.5, it's every bit as sharp across mm-hmm. the entire frame. You get the stabilizer on it. And the big thing for me is it's got a beautiful focus ring. Uh, where mm-hmm. Canon's, I've always found a little slippery. Uh, the Nikkor 2470 is a little better in that regard, but um, really easy for me to pull focus, cool. which, you know, as a hybrid lens, I think makes sense. If you're just doing stills, then maybe the cam- Canon, but I love having stabilization. Yeah, that that does actually, I'm going to look at that because yeah. <laughs> I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hell of a lens. And then their 150 to 600 mm-hmm. is unbelievably good for a grand. What's yeah. your impression been of your new Sigma so far, uh, Cameron? Oh, man. So I only really got to shoot it a lot in the last two weeks. So I've only had it for six weeks 
And some of the initial impressions were like, yeah, it seems pretty cool, but I didn't really have any great opportunities to use it in. And uh, this past weekend, I did quite a lot of portraits. And um, man, it's just amazing. Mm. Absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, and it's something that we've put to use a lot. We got it about the middle of the year. Actually, I think we got the very first one that I came into the camera store. Yeah, you got the first Canon mount one. Yeah, so it might be the first in Calgary. But uh-huh. uh, I really haven't been enjoying it. I do always have a disclaimer throughout when I'm talking about it that I had to calibrate it I had to do the micro adjustments between the um, two different bodies, and they were completely off. Like yeah. it was, it would not have been in focus if that's what we stuck with. No, you you have to do it with those new Sigma. Like yeah. they've got actually, they're selling you now the little USB adjuster mm-hmm. for correcting yep. your glass, uh, and you've got to do it with those. Um, you know, uh, it, but it's, it's not too much to ask. It, you know, it's yeah, it's compared, pretty simple. Yeah, compared to like four years ago, where we'd be shipping them back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to the manufacturer, it's not that much of a drawback. And the thing I love about their new glass, their art series, is they do have a very unique color and contrast that really reminds me of old Nikon AI primes, uh, which I still use all the time because they Mm. just have a a real snap when your subject moves into focus. That's not just resolution. There's more happening there. And man, do those Sigmas have that. The 35, the 50, they're fantastic that way. You know, I also, I just kind of accidentally discovered that um, if you if you front focus in a portrait, just barely, just to where it's just barely out of focus, like the results are actually really like surreal. Mm-hmm. Like I took some, I was taking some self portraits, and it was you know, it was kind of dark, so it was kind of hard to 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 focus with a uh, cable release. Um, but a lot of those were, you know, the focus was a little bit weird, and those were some of my favorite shots. They were just, I, it's hard to describe them, but they they felt like paintings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not an annoying way. Cause you know, usually if somebody says that about a photograph, I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was really neat. So yeah. I mean, I think that there's, there's still quite a lot to, to learn about why I'm going to love it, but yeah, so far I'm. So what if we all do like a one pick of the year for 2014, just favorite thing. Uh, oh. And I'm going to, I'm going to jump on it first and say the Sigma 50 millimeter. Um, <laughs> steal it from Cameron. Yeah. Steal it from all you guys. What about, what about you, Cameron? All right. Well, since you chose that and that was, <laughs> you can choose anything you want. I mean, that was kind of the obvious thing, but, um, I'll go ahead and, and go with, uh, the, D, the DF and, but with, you know, a disclaimer because, uh, the DF is not a particularly comfortable camera to shoot with. It's not a comfortable hold. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem that I have with it is that I, I, I do use it for events and that's probably when having a, a nice grip is the, the most important time. Um, but like from all of my creative work and my street work and stock stuff, like this camera is just such a pleasure to use. And the, uh, the results are stunning. Just, you know, like I, I have the 800, you know, like I, I can compare the two and I'm always happier with the way the DF looks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I, I usually only shoot primes. So I throw a prime on that camera and it's just easy. You know, it's small. It's, you know, it's people look at it and they kind of like, oh, that's that's kind of neat. So there's like they're a little bit less intimidated. You know, you pull out the 800 and they're like, wow, that's huge. You know, so I think that I think that has an effect on people. And so, you know, I'd have to say that my my favorite tool of the year was using the DF. Awesome. I haven't tried it at all, but it looks beautiful. Yeah, Uh, so it's a fun, fun camera to shoot with, actually. 
Yeah, I'd have to say my favorite is actually the uh, Sony A7S. Mm -hmm. um, just in terms of kind of going back to that thing I mentioned earlier, where it's different types of shoots I couldn't have done before that camera came yeah. out. It seems like the most interesting thing I saw this year. I mean, yeah. I can't pick it because I didn't use it, but... I yeah, like I've got a music video shoot coming up very quickly where we're going to shoot it conventionally with that camera. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to kill all the lights downtown, uh, like all of my... Um, my LEDs and things like that. And we're just going to light the entire thing practically, you know, late night downtown when all the building lights are shut off. Right, right. And it's not something practically I could have done until this, you know, I would be doing supplemental lighting for everything. And same thing for stills, having a completely silent full frame camera. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's something that wasn't available before. And that's what I'm always looking for. Everything's getting better every year, but I want something that's going to let me do something totally different. I couldn't have done before. And that's the one. So what about 2015? What do you guys think? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very hopeful for an icon. <laughs> well, yeah, that was my big question. Are Canon and Nikon in trouble? I think they are. You know, and like that's that's awkward to say because I think that, you know, Nikon had to deal with Canon a couple of years back when Nikon or Canon had the, the 5D Mark II and Nikon had nothing to compete with that. And then, you know, the D eight hundred came out and it felt like all of a sudden the tables had turned and now Nikon was turn back on and a great, you know, system to, to invest in again. And, you know, I think that they're still doing great things with the system that they have, but it doesn't feel like it's in the quite the right direction. When you look at the rest of the crowd, you know, there's nothing to offer for mirrorless, you know, they don't like, that's, that's really what they should have done with the DF. I think is made it a, a mirrorless if camera. They made a mirrorless that looked like an FM two. I would own four of those. Already. Yeah. See, yeah. there it is that you just, you know, I mean that that's, that's exactly it. You know? So I think that, you know, they're probably in trouble. Another thing that I'll throw out there is that, um, when I was looking at the Sigma, um, I was very, very seriously considering the, uh, Nikon 5814. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I've, I've, I've touched it once, you know, I had it on a, on a DF body at a store and took some shots with it. And like, I was super excited at that moment. I was like, wow, I want this right now. And, uh, you know, I was pretty much convinced that that's what I was going to get. And then, uh, I kept doing more and more research and, you know, the, the, the bottom line is that, you know, is it $800 better? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I, I would say and, even at parity, the Sigma still, yeah. if they were the same price. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like I, I went with the Sigma Sigma and I'm I'm pleased that I did. Even though like I would like to rent the fifty eight just to see. And in the in the Canon world it's even worse. I could not recommend anybody buy the one point two anymore. No. Doesn't uh, make any sense. It's such a slow focuser and yeah. it can it has an interesting look to it. But yeah, it's but also you can't way do. more chromatic abrasion. Yeah. It's, it's not it's as an sharp. Ancient lens design. Yeah. Um it, can I be honest about that? Mm. No, nope. really don't like that lens yeah, and I don't yeah. shoot with it, but like just coming from like the way that I, you know, cause I see files from it all the time and I'm just like, Oh, I don't like it. So Things. Canon is definitely in trouble when it comes to the lenses. Yeah. And mm -hmm. like big trouble. And they're that, primes. Well, and their especially. whole strategy, both Canon and Nikon are doing this now as it was always $1,500 for their premium lens, you know, the two eight mm -hmm. zooms, things like that. They've pushed mm -hmm. that up to 2,500 and you've got, third-party lenses that are outperforming mm. them right now. It seems yeah, very they raise the prices too. Every yeah. one of them, yeah, they bump them a grand. Like the it's new one, the 400 came out, $1,000 more yeah. for it. 
one. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, and hey, Nikon did the same thing. The 80 to 400 came out this year, the new version of it. And that was a $2,600 lens when it launched up from 15. So, uh, yeah, Canon's not alone in that. The big reason I think they're in trouble right now kind of comes back to my favorite. Well, my pick for camera of the year when we did our video, the A6000 is they're going to have to contend with a whole bunch of people who are now buying someone else's entry-level cameras, mm -hmm. whether it's Panasonic, Sony, Fuji. Those people are going to be upgrading, and it's not like they're going to flip all their glass and jump over to Canon and Nikon. Yeah, no. That's why Canon and Nikon always had the market. They had well, the best entry-level cameras. Yeah, it's going to be different once people have entered on a totally different brand, and they're not used to Canon when they're ready to upgrade. So I don't know what a professional is going to be thinking after they've been shooting with a Fuji or a Sony or an Olympus for a few years when they decide to... Get their bigger SLR. Are they going to? Are they going to see Canon Nikon as appealing as they do now? Yeah, I, that's. And I think it, we're going to see that in a, three years. Would be my. This is mm -hmm. not a 2015, but uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, that's how long I think it takes for someone to go from like complete amateur to a real enthusiast, or even someone who's trying to make a living doing it. Um, right. And those are the people who aren't going to be jumping over. The other thing I think we are going to see this year is we're going to see a pro body mirrorless. So something that's chunky fits well with big glass mm -hmm. and you know it's how the way they've been sitting around it might i think it might actually be canon that does that right yeah i've been seeing yeah. those rumors flying around and like they if they if they did the right things they could just take the lead back if the right one or two cameras comes out all of a sudden Cam canon could really or either of them could really be on top again they yeah. just need to well, do the right thing. Well, and I've sold my <laughs> Canon bodies, but I hung on to my Canon glass with the anticipation that they will do that. Right. Um, Nikon, Ooh. I'm a little more concerned because they're still doing very, very well with the 810, 750, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think they might rest a little bit more on that. But the thing that's kind of keeping them ahead of everyone else right now is those Sony sensors. So yeah. if Sony says you don't get those anymore, that's going to be shaking things up quite a bit too. Because uh, they might not be wanting to be providing chips for their competition for that much longer. Another new rumor <laughs> that might shake things up is the new uh, sensors in the iPhones that uh, we don't know if it's true yet, but basically that the biggest camera advancement that's ever happened with iPhones will be coming in the next release. Mm -hmm. And if that ends up being true, that whole, you know, um, point and shoot versus cell phone versus professional camera thing, it'll just keep kind of compressing the market in interesting ways. And, uh, you know, might mean less and less people buy that lower to mid-range camera. And um, Well, in, in your case, you mentioned how you still pack your G16 around. Mm -hmm. There's We're not that far off from a camera like that being able to yeah. replace the G16 in every capacity. Yeah. It wouldn't be a huge jump. Yeah, if but, it's as big a jump as they say is coming, right. then, yeah, it'll completely eliminate like the under $600 point. There was also that tech demo of the two lenses working together to create an optical zoom with no moving parts. Yeah. Which I've... Absolutely no idea how this works, but yeah. if well, that comes true. People smarter than me will explain that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Google it. Uh, there's some pretty crazy videos. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess that uh, that sums up the last year and maybe kind of what some of what's going to happen we'll see in the going year. into the next year. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Hey, where should uh, people find you online? Uh, they can find me a few places. Uh, YouTube.com, the camera store TV is where we put all of our stuff out. I'm also on Twitter, uh, TCS TV Jordan. 
I guess at TC. Do I still have mm-hmm. to do that? People should know no, there's an app before at this point. Yeah. Uh, I'm also <laughs> just started up an Instagram account and I'm figuring out how to use that right now. Um, Are you calling that? Is, is that going to be a trend in 2015? People will start using Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be big. In 2015, I will make a young person tell me how to use Instagram mm-hmm. effectively. And that's uh, <laughs> just the camera store TV um, on Instagram. Cool. And you, Cameron? Where's your website? It's coming, I swear. Um, okay, so yeah, same thing. Stocksy.com forward slash camrocker, Twitter slash camrocker, and at uh at Cami Run at on Instagram, and that's K-A-M-M-E-R-U-N. And I'm at Stallman anywhere that you search. And uh <laughs> you should also just go and rate us in the uh iTunes store. It helps. Yeah, do that. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in. See you guys in 2015. Thanks for having me. Bye bye.